get everyone on the team tied to those four pillars of experience. And that'll drive loyalty, that'll drive referrals, that'll drive a lot more understanding when you gather that feedback to validate your spend, your product value down the road. Welcome to the Ecom Chats Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Mike Martis, Director of Marketing at Finch. And I'm Nevin Zavell, e-commerce product specialist at Finch. And hey, it's season two, Nevin. The new year brings a new season. It is. I cannot believe it's been an it's been a year. Oh, we were. I think this is episode twenty one. I believe I have to check that. But joining us today for this big congratulations, guys. Thank you. That's by the way, if you heard him sneak in there, that's Lee Roquet, CEO at Finch. Lee, thanks for joining us on the first episode of the new year. Oh, thank you for the invite. I mean, I know there's a backlog of attendees, so I'm glad you could squeeze me in. I appreciate it. And this is the podcast where we wind down each week by cracking open a cold drink and talking some e-commerce shop. And today we're going to do what most people do this time of year. We're going to do a little bit of retrospective, look back at 2023 a little bit, and more importantly, look forward to 2024. We're not necessarily going to set resolutions. We're not going to do the whole resolution thing, but we are going to talk about what we learned from 2023 and what we're going to change going into 2024, like all good companies should do, right, Lee? Right. Correct. It's always good to look back. And uh, I always like to spend the last two weeks, you know, over the holidays is just a uh, cleaning up and taking the time to look back on the, the wins, the lessons learned. I think 2023 had a lot of those for, for me personally, as well as for, for the business and the industry. And I think there's a lot to be excited about in 2024. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely pumped up for, for the, for the new year. Same here. I, I, I read through your blog post that you put out. We'll have a, a link to that in the show notes below. But it, it's been a crazy year. And I think that coming down to the end of the year, it's always a fantastic time to try and sit back, reflect, and try and, again, Mike's not making New Year's resolutions. I make New Year's resolutions. But it's time to make those <laughs> goals and, and set because you know 2024 is, is here. And it's time to uh, tackle that head on. Yeah, correct. You know, I went to the gym the, <laughs> two days ago. I, I live in a you know ski town, and so there was a lot of, a lot of tourists here. And there was probably two hundred people at the gym. <laughs> it was just like so funny because that's the New Year's Worst resolution time. impact, right? Worst so, time of the year to go to the gym. Oh my god, yeah, that first week, and then and then everybody just kind of gets back to normal. So, yeah. no, I think you know, just to, to jump on to, to Nevin's point there, I think you know, looking back in twenty three, and and again, I, I'm just my perspective and, and, you know, where we're coming from as a business. And you know, we've had a lot of changes. We started the year off really focused on being a software company, making a big transition. It was about a two-year effort to kind of make this transition. And, and the realization is that we're just not, that's not who we are. And so for us to, as a business and as a team had to, had to pivot about middle of the year, which I'm super proud of, of everyone in the organization and coming together and really being honest and transparent and really looking at who we are and what, who we want to be in, in 24 and what we're good at. And we got a 16 year legacy of an amazing organization. And I think for us to be able to, to pivot and to be honest with ourselves was a big win, even though it was hard and we've had to make some tough decisions. And I think, you know, the economy of course, for everyone, we unfortunately was one of the tougher years for us with regards to just our customers and turn and, and, and really just, it was sad to see, you know, a lot of it was, was we've had quite a few customers with bankruptcies. And I think the, 
the uncertainty of, of the economy and I mean, the tragedy of the tragedy of having you know, the wars and the impact is just, there's been so much that everyone's had to deal with. And you know, I think a, a lot of people, and I think I wrote this in the blog, right? It's, it kind of, you kind of had to step back and, and really focus on whether you're going in the right direction or not, or doing the right things or being honest and true to what, what really is important. And, and so that's, that was a lot of what I spent the last, I don't know, couple of weeks thinking about and looking back and, and getting excited about 2024. I mean, it's always, it's always good to turn, turn the page, but you know, I think the lessons learned around us and, and what we're looking at is one, going back to some of the basics for me, and this is new to the, to this space and being an agency role. I mean, I've come from a background of customer experience and and really kind of trying to keep it simple around process and systems and operations. And, you know, I think that's, that for me is kind of the theme that I'm seeing and talking with customers and other CEOs and, and some of the partners that we're working with is just getting back to the basics and, and realizing that there's some massive changes, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into here in a second with some of the announcements just in the last week with Google finally making changes to third-party cookies and you know, but there's already been a lot of work and positivity that's been put into making making a shift. But I think it's the 2024 is going to be the wake up call for a lot of companies to make make the transition. And for me, I think it it's kind of going back to some of the basics. I mean, there's there's a couple of things that are super important to me and I'm passionate about is, is I love the experience management mindsets of really looking at your team, your customer, your product and your brand experiences. And for me, that's kind of how I like to look at when I start planning for, you know, what's happened and, and what I want to see going forward and what I think is going to be a, a powerful focus point for, for teams and, and our company, as well as uh, the companies we work with is really getting back to understanding the root, the root cause of what, what we, you know, what we do every day, which is we're, we're here to, to grow successfully and, and, you know, acquire business smartly, but really it's, I think it's the year of retention. And so that's kind of, where I came to some of my conclusions of like, what can we do as an organization or what have we learned? And I know I say it all the time, but we're a people helping people there it business. Is. Take a drink. Boil it down. There it is. Yep. There it is. First of the new year. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But, but really, I mean, the relationships, the, the time you spend with, with your team or your customers and, and really understanding what the objectives are and being honest about, the data that you're looking at on what it means to be successful. And I think there's one of the biggest shifts that I'm excited about is one, this, this pivot back towards customer lifetime value, getting, making sure you're treating your customers, right. Making sure your product is an experience where it's driving loyalty and referrals. Like that is going to be, it's just so important to do those simple things. Well, and then next is just data, man, data everywhere. I do want to this thing that you said because there was a, a really excellent post by another major creator in the space, uh, Ash Milwani, who put a really long retrospective together about how he was tackling his meta and social media marketing. And when the iOS changes hit, had a million different people doing a million different strategies to try and like beat the algorithm, game the algorithm, because the algorithm kept changing after iOS updates. But after like hiring countless agencies, bringing people on, trying like every trick in the book to try and adapt, the secret was really just going back to the fundamentals. And if you look at a lot of the brands that are succeeding this year, it is about 
the basics of fundamentals of having a good product, having a brand image that meets the customer where they are, and then being smart about audience. The big one that I've been following has been the kind of cult following around the Stanley Cups. That is the perfect combination of knowing the audience and building a product that is good enough to not just bring people to buy it, but to become product evangelists in and of themselves. And those are the brands. And those, if those people who have done the work ahead of time that are, I believe, 100% are going to continue to succeed into 2024. And it's about trying to bring the brands that we work with and the partners that we work with to that level to continually try and grow them. Yeah. And if you look at like some of our earlier episodes, Lee, like, oh, way back when, before we even had a format, before we had guests on the early days of Ecom Chats, uh, Happy Hour, <laughs> we talked, we, yeah, we, we talked, we talked a few times in those early episodes about the, the maturation of the e-commerce D2C space, right? And, and what I meant by that, and I explained it a little bit before, but uh, it gets a little bit to the data question. Essentially, you could be a re really, really good with data from one channel, pour a bunch of money into it and get money out the other end. For example, you could spend a dollar on Facebook, get $5 out, you're good to go. If, and, and, and a lot of companies, a lot of e-commerce scale, companies scaled like that, a lot of D2C companies scaled like that, but now they're at a point where there's so much data because if you kill it on Facebook, now you're, you're going to reach a plateau. Now you got to find what's that next channel, right? And it, it becomes so overwhelming to have the data that whenever we talk to brands in the market and, and our prospects and our clients even, what they, they're not necessarily interested all the time in channel performance as much as they're saying, what's the best move for us to do next? How, how, tell me what that data means. Like I can see the data. That looks great. That ROAS looks fun. But what do I do next? How do I spend my next dollar the best? And I think that's where we're kind of zooming out, right? And saying the data question really is how do you run a better business, not how do you how do you perform better on one channel? Well, I, no, I agree. And I think I think this is going to be a big is already happening as a big shift with with teams. And it was interesting. I was on a call yesterday with a prospect that we're talking to and a big company and they when I started talking about data and, and, and outline your data strategy and how do you share your data with your, your team and both people on the phone were just like, we have so much data, we don't even know where to start and we don't even know really what to look at. And it was, you know, and that's, but that's a theme that I think a lot of people struggle with is like, what, what are the key, what, what should we be looking at to help make better decisions to figure out what to do next? Right. And I think, one, we're at a super exciting time, right? I mean, one of the biggest things last year was, of course, it, the explosion of AI. Everyone's rallying around. I mean, there were so many companies who, who launched with some sort of AI solution to do some little thing. And and so that's been really interesting to fun, I think, or fun to watch. You know, I think in 2024, it's like we're going to see a lot more people. I think there's going to be a lot more legislation and some controls and concerns. We're already seeing lawsuits happening all over the place. But I really do think in our space, like it's amazing what you can do just to kickstart creative and, and, and videos and you know, imagery and content. So that's that's really exciting. But I think going back to, again, the basics, like, are you measuring the right things? Does your whole team, you know, understand how they are contributing to the profitability and the growth and the contribution margins and those types of things of your business? Is your data still in a silo? Is your marketing team only looking at vanity metrics? 
are they only looking at things that are, and I know I get you to this, with this point, but are, <laughs> are you actually linking metrics that are driving the business and insights that horizontally, and I, 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 I have this theme in my head <clears throat> for the last couple of years, and it's, it's again, it's you have your data silos, you have your customer maybe or experience silos. Are you, are you still breaking your team out into things that are like, well, our paid media or whatever team is only cares about attribution or ROAS and that's all they're rewarded on. But is that actually helping the business move forward? So turning your, your silos, tipping them over. So everything runs on a horizontal plane, your, your experience, your customer journey, your lifetime value, your acquisition costs, your 60 day customer, you know, the second purchase rate, like, are you measuring the things that are driving business horizontally? And are all teams a part of that? So I think that's that's a thing that I I'm, I push my team and what we talk a lot about with our with our customers is are you are you putting a dollar in and are you truly getting the five dollar out? And I think to your point earlier, Mike, too, it's these channels are getting harder and harder to get the returns you want out of them. And I think it's that's where kind of having and I know it's kind of a you know whatever a, the omni-channel word, but really looking at. <laughs> breaking down and analyzing where you're actually spending your money and, and really figuring out are, are you utilizing all of the tools? If you're spending most of your money, like with the announcement of some of the cookie changes here that are finally happening with Google, like, are you, are you a business that relies 90% on third-party cookies to, to drive your acquisition or, and, and retention stuff? If so, you got three quarters to figure out a new plan. And so there's a lot of things to do in that way. But I think getting back to your original question, but I think that data, the understanding of data, getting away from, we have bucket loads of it and really focusing it down to, to the three or four things that are, are, you know, metrics that are actually going to show you if you're, if you're contributing to the growth, health, profitability of your business, that's, that's where I think the teams need to be working at. And, and that change needs to be happening. And, and I think the same thing, and I was layering your customer experience or your team experience, your product and brand experience in those same veins, like get everyone on the team tied to those four pillars of experience. And that'll drive loyalty. That'll drive referrals. That'll drive a lot more understanding when you gather that feedback to validate your spend, your product value down the road. So I think that's one of the big changes that I'm most excited for in, in 2024 is that, and this is something that we've been kind of hyping up for a while, but is really shifting the metrics out of the weeds. We're moving away from this more data is more better approach of just like, if we have a little bit of data, oh, it's great. I'll, you know, to quote you, if I have a little data is good, a lot of data must be better. It's not the case. In order to be agile, in order to be able to adapt to market conditions, and in order to propel the business forward, you need to zoom out and you need to focus on the metrics like CAC, like the LTV of the brand that are driving towards a single goal. And that single goal needs to be the health of the business. It can't just be, we want to set and forget a 5.0 ROAS and whenever we get it, a 5.0 ROAS is good. It needs to be more in-depth and it needs to be a strategy that is driving across all departments in the is in the business to attack a specific long-term goal for the year and then as things change you can adapt you can be agile and you can be proactive rather than just having to react to oh we didn't meet our ROAS goal it needs to be a more holistic all-encompassing system i don't think omnichannel is a buzzword anymore i think it is an actual gospel that yeah. companies need to follow 
Well, I think it's yeah. been exciting too, because I think like the promise of AI 10 years ago, I think we've all been like, uh, yeah, someday. But I think that's hit today. I think the for me, like being in the customer experience space for, for years, I think honestly, this is truly the year of, of companies having to be held accountable to the experiences they have with their customer. Is your product like, I mean, I, I'll admit, I buy a lot of stuff on Instagram. I, I kind of, <laughs> I, I do that a lot. Some of the stuff I buy is awesome. Some of it is just crap. And it's like, man, I'm, you know, so is, are you standing up? Are you, are, I guess, are you, are you offering a product experience that's going to drive brand loyalty or are you offering a one shot wonder where you're just trying to get the $5 purchase? You know, that kind of, that business model, I think is going to, people are not going to stand for it. I think people are coming back around. I mean, I know personally, I'm, I'm tired of getting spammed to death on an email. I'm tired of getting fed a whole bunch of uh, commercials or you know, ads that don't mean anything to me. I want real, I want short, I want short. I like little video clips. I like to watch stuff. I like, you know, I like that experience. And I, I think that's going to be kind of a big shift in, in 2024 is people are going to, they're going to want that real memorable experience that matters. And they're going to gravitate to brands that one, make them feel good. Uh, that 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 maybe those brands are spending more money on spending CTV or OTT or what whatever the whatever the media label you're you're kind of going after. But I think we're gonna get a shift away from from some of the I guess overuse of kind of the the traditional or I guess the, what what we've seen as advertising standards for the last few years. And I think AI is going to be driving a lot of hopefully creativity and, and new ways to look at getting people excited about a product or a brand. This, yeah, that, that falls right in line with what with, uh, Sam and George, both from Floxy, our, our creative partner, both talked about why they're not worried about AI in the, in the creative, specifically in the creative space, is because the, they're already seeing signs of the market already being saturated with AI, with AI mm-hmm. content. And therefore, their, their bespoke content that they create for their clients actually stands out more. Right. So there's a lot of moving parts in the AI space. One of one of the things I think we're going to see and we talked about making predictions for 2024 a little bit. This is one of mine. I think that with AI, you're going to see a lot of companies across lots of different industries in housing AI development for their company. Right. Because at this point, it's already possible and easy. And Nevin actually did a little bit of a, a preview of something he did along these lines of creating like a product that solves a specific problem like a software that solves a specific problem for your business right and if you have one person who's really good at creating these ai softwares to solve these problems well now you don't need to go pay a SaaS company a b2b SaaS company 500 a month for that solution you can create it right there in house and use it for exactly create it for exactly what you need right and so i think there's going to be a little bit of a deflation in the b2b SaaS bubble this year and we're going to see a lot of in-housing of what used to be the SaaS market in housing into brands that can afford it. And I think that that's going to lead to a lot of interesting things. You're going to see a lot of bespoke products that people use. It's, I mean, we are already doing it, right? We have our own system. We have our own product. We've been developing for a long time specifically to service our, our customers. It's not to sell to the market. It's not so that you can take it into your company and use it. We built it for us to use it, to serve our clients the way we want to serve them. And I think we're going to see a scaling of that in all kinds of industries. So what do you, Lee, what do you think about like that, that idea and kind of what our path with our, with our product is? 
Yeah, well, first off, I agree with you. I think there's, <clears throat> I think this last 12 months or so, there's been such a horrific launching of small startup companies focused on solving a, a specific problem in the in the space. And I think, I think we're going to see a, a, a little bit of a reckoning. I mean, there's got to be some you know, consolidations that are going to be happening and a lot of purchasing of, of, of companies and roll-ups. And, you know, I think for us and trying to figure out where, where do we use AI to, to actually solve the business problems that our team are, are having that help us improve the experience for our customers. I mean, that's really the focus we have as a, as a, as our product team has is we want to move as much, remove as much friction as possible. I mean, I think this is not only is, you know, I think simplifying the data story, getting to the, the, the top line numbers. And then if people want to drill down into the, the weeds, they can, I think flipping that, that uh, narrative a bit is going to be super important, but I also think figuring out where to put automations and, and, and AI tools that remove a specific friction and you can validate that. That's kind of where, where our focus is going to be. And, and I'm, I'm very keen and, you know, there's a lot of data we can present and roll up data very well in the, in the products we have, we can help people see what's happened. We can talk about what we, you know, what we can make changes to better spend, but it's the future things. And it's the exciting, I think the mixed or marketing mixed modeling MMM, or is that, I always get that backwards. How can you get MMM backwards? It's just three letters the same. <laughs> mixed marketing model or marketing mixed model. Anyway, uh, I got you. I got you. And and I think for me, I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm I want to see how we can do more predictive sat channel saturation. You know, as we get into an omni-channel approach and we look at balancing our paid with organic with our with some of our with our outcomes, we need to be able to quickly allow people to see what to do next, where to spend next. You're saturated here. You, you, you got to move your money. And I think for me, I mean, this year is going to be, you know, data is important, the right systems and tools. I think customer experience is going to be, I think people are going to have to force to really look at their, the customer lifetime value. They're going to be you know, having to create loyalty programs. They're going to have to be elevating their experiences to get people to be like brand loyalists. Like everybody needs to pretend like they're at the level of, of an apple and, and, and make that experience mean something memorable. And then lastly, it's just, how do we, how do we make sure that we can be as efficient as possible? I think a lot of companies are, they're just not going to be any bandwidth for wasted, waste expenses. And if you can't deliver the value and the output, your, your businesses are going to make quick changes. I think that's efficiency and margins are going to be top line. And that's going to be people focusing more on the, the numbers that drive that profitability awareness within their organization. Yeah. I think well, it's media mix modeling just for the, the people out there who want to Google, who, who want to Google it. And, and the funny thing about media mix modeling is that it's not new. It's been around for a long time, right? It, it's what, it's what the traditional TV advertisers essentially created to, to show their clients 
the Don Drapers of the world. Yeah, the not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're literally talking about that long ago when when TV advertising started. This was a metric they used to show their clients the the different markets that they saturated, and saying yeah. that doesn't make sense to make to spend any more money here. We need to go to this market here because we're not saturated. It's essentially that, but on a digital sphere, right? So yeah. that's what we're talking about. Just for anybody who maybe had not heard that term before, but we we've got some literature and you can Google it. It's you know, it's it's like I said, it's been around forever. One of the two, like a lot of these models, right? They're they're very data science. They're very manual, and so people are. And there's you know some good uh, solutions out in the marketplace that are have taken this model. They've put it into you know a very uh, a robust database and system, and 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 so now you're getting near real time, which is the direction, right? Because but yeah. but it takes, you know, I think to the earlier point, right? Uh, more data is not is not better if you don't have a data science team or analysts that actually can can help you interpret what you're doing. And, and so that's where I'm excited to see the teams and, and companies I've looked at that are doing it well. That's going to get exponentially easier and better. And, and we're going to be, and hopefully cheaper because it is kind of expensive to to bring in a, a, an MMM, MMM product a solution into your organization. I mean, you can spend anywhere from three to $8,000 a month, mm-hmm. you know, with one customer trying to put five or six channels through through a model like this. And, and again, yeah. even then, you've got to have the team in house that it can interpret what that means. Right. And even, and even then, right. Even like this is media mix modeling is not like an end all be all to your marketing decisions. It's a director, right. It can direct you to a place of opportunity. The things you do inside of those channels and in in those areas of opportunity, those still need to be fleshed out. Media mix modeling is not going to tell you the best way to attack those specific opportunities. There's not an autopilot, right? And I think that's right. the same thing with with the AI tool sets. It's like we still have to have human interpretation and you got to make business decisions and you got as a team. So I think the, the tool sets we're going to be able to use are going to get better, but they're still going to take a team who understands and who can validate and who can approve and who can wordsmith or who can say, yes, let's go with the model suggestion or make those, those, those decisions. It, it, yeah. So there's I think that's there's still going to be that place for us humans to be part of this whole journey. Well, I wouldn't even say just being a part of the journey. I would say that the human element is the make yep. or break piece of this new marketing landscape because you can have like these tools are becoming more and more available. It is the drivers, the people who are really able to handle and use these tools to be able to interpret this data that are going to be able to make or break good advertising strategy moving forward and that's why investing in people is going to be the solution moving forward. That's a good thing we have Nevin. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, like, you know, and I think I wrote this in my blog, but I think within any, any team or company, or for me, I guess, just looking at the Finch team, like having to make a pretty good pivot last year in our business model and regroup and, and focus on who we wanted to be and not get away from the, some of the, desires and, and look at the achievable things that we wanted to do. And I was just amazed at the, when you ask your team or, your, you know, the people you work with and, and like, what, what are your ideas? What do you, you know, and opening that transparency up and yeah, put a big smile on my face to hear the ideas that came, that came out. We, we we're going in so many new, new directions in 2024 that I'm, like I said, super excited to, to turn the chapter, <laughs> the page and start it, start the new year. I mean, we've got amazing partners that we've we've brought on. We've got a new way to look at uh, being a full funnel agency. Really, again, my focus is: are we listening well to what the actual 
needs of our customers are and, and are we able to elevate an experience to where they are getting what they need, but being at the forefront of using data can just because a customer and this happened a couple of times last year where it's like, we need 40% growth. We'll need want and can, or, you know, three separate <laughs> things. And so That's being right. able to really step back and go, okay, well, let's look at your, let's look at the data. Let's look at what you've done the last couple of years. What can you do? What are changes and ideas that you want to see happen? And then putting together realistic goals and objectives and and really separating the desire versus the achievable. And so I think that's where we as an organization are going to be doing a much better job in 2024 is using data to to get to the the realistic growth opportunity so we can put a success plan together that that and, and, and you know and that's the that's the hard discussions as an agency like we need to be having with our customers. If we're just a whole bunch of yes yes yes, we're going to just spend money that that doesn't those days are over, and that honestly is the reason why most agencies have a really bad reputation and people just get agency fatigue is because agencies, I think for quite a, what I'm learning, quite a lot of years have been get as much money as you can, and then you're going to get booted out. And so I don't want to be that company. One thing that was moving into this role and kind of looking at our, our segmentation of customers and our average account tent or account the length of account like we've had is is over six years which industry average is about four I and mean, we've had mm-hmm. customers we've had for 10 years and that that goes back again to people taking the time to listening to the people and doing a job and being upfront and honest and taking accountability when you get it wrong and celebrating when you get it right so no i think that's a really fantastic point because one of the hardest pieces of agency work and as someone who runs kind of a dual managing a lot of the back end but also being client facing is that building those client relationships and building those strong connections with the people that you work with and work for are I feel like you keep saying make or break but they're incredibly important and they can be they can be difficult when the chips are up and you know things are just cranking away and just running smooth maintaining a relationship is easy but being able to clarify, be accountable, and maintain that relationship even when times are a little bit tougher. Over the past year, the accounts that have been collaborative and have wanted to engage and work are the accounts that we have kept alone for the longest. You know, I think the one I've had here has been with us since day one. And those are relationships that we we absolutely cherish because it is not a one-sided approach. It is a building a relationship that is collaborative, that we can reach out to them, they can reach out to us. There's accountability on both sides, and we are able to be creative, be agile, and work together in a way that really does strengthen their business. And when they do well, we do well. And it's it's difficult yeah. to achieve that kind of symbiosis, but once you get there, it makes it makes working with them a lot more fun, and it makes working with them a lot easier to be able to say like, hey, let's try something here. Let's be creative and be able to actually get a sign off on that and run an experiment or run a test. So, Well, I I started at Finch before it was right. Lee and I started right around the same time. I think Lee was like yeah. a month after me, right? And Lee obviously wasn't the CEO when he started. <laughs> so I will tell I'll tell you this. The, the biggest change I've seen, Lee, between kind of the old tenure and the new tenure, and I think this is directly related to you and your leadership, is we listen to our customers. 
<laughs> so what, what ends up happening is we get so, and agencies, all businesses are prone to this, right? You can get so enamored with the thing you want to be that you forget about the thing you need to be to your customers, right? And so what we did was like, we said, hey, you know what's really important? CAC and LTV, right? And we convinced our, and we, we told that story to our customers and they're like, okay, well, how do we improve that? And to your point, Lee, like this has already happened, like you talked about in 2024 going forward making changes based on how do we service our clients the best well we we realized you know the best way to move cac uh, the best way to move ltv specifically is a, a conversion rate optimization a cro program we didn't have one so we found a really good partner and 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 now we can now we can offer a really good cro program that actually fulfills a promise that we're making we're not just preaching to our clients hey you got to pay attention to these metrics we're saying hey we can do it for you and that's what i mean by the partner when we call our our our, our clients, a lot of times we refer to them as partners, which gets a little confusing for me because we have a part, an official partnership program, but then we have clients that are, part, you know, what I mean? but anyway, the, we, we really take that to heart. I think that's, and that's going to drive us in 2024 of like, what, what do our clients need based on what we, how we think it's important to grow an e-commerce, a DTC company, right? Because once they, once you have them on the hook of understanding that uh, customer life cycle and how to increase value at every point in that customer life cycle, that's all good and fine. But then you have to have the product and the service mm -hmm. to, to, to increase those things. And that's really, I think it's, it's uh, under your leadership, Lee. And I think the new focus of the company, we've really honed in on that stuff. All right. Yeah. Like let's move the needle for us and our clients. Yeah. Well, thanks Mike. I'm glad you actually yeah, I've seen that because I, I mean, I think that's a big one, right? And I'm positioning for a raise. Lee. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Let's, I see how you, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay well, let's, let's make sure we focus on the right metrics. Take it offline. Yeah. Um, no, but I think that's, again, back to kind of what I see in, yeah, 2024. What I'm excited about is, again, is, is data clarity, helping people focus on is your business profitable? Can you grow? And, and I think, you know, we're at that age of marginal gains. Like, it's a 1% over here, 1% over here. It's not going to be like 90% in one, one channel. You're going to have to play around and, and be willing to make some changes and challenges. And you're going to, you're going to have to try some things and be okay with, with not hitting home runs. Like we need base hits and that's kind of the new focus on, but getting your data, right. I think making sure your systems and tools are set up. I mean, there's a lot of shifts with again, cookies changing, like do you have GD4 set up? Are you look at your tech stack in your own business? are you removing as much friction as, as you can for your team? Like if your team is super well, you know, informed that they know why they're, they're coming in every day, they're happy to come in every day. That trickles down to your customer that trickles down to your brand that trickles down to your product. Right. So taking that experience mindset of experience management and just kind of focusing your business and stuff around that, I think is, is key. And then I think again, getting back to just real experiences, for me, and I guess how I look at things is when I have a great experience with a brand, I'm, I'm more likely to, to be with that brand. And usually it comes down to the people that I deal with. The product's great. Great. You should have a great product if you're running a business. And, and if you don't, you should work really hard <laughs> to improve it That's or uh, figure out how to you know pivot to some other product. But I think you know really looking at, again, getting back to, and I think I've heard this on a couple podcasts just recently is, again, there's a big shift to short video, real content, a lot more is going to be open to us with CTV and looking at UID opportunities like the trade desk and looking at messaging across a whole bunch of different platforms and in, in new ways. That's going to be really exciting this year. And I, I'm so super proud that we've been a, a big partner of the trade desk for the last six years. Like we, 
we've kind of run through the lumps of not being able to 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 really qualify the double counting and that's that's all getting better and i think people are trusting that shift i think the finally nice to have the the cookie announcement because i think it's going to again force people to to really sit back and look at balancing their their business focusing on the right data focusing on the right metrics getting getting back to what what i think really matters is taking care of your customers whether you're an agency or a product you know, a brand company at the end of the day you got to make sure that you're creating a memorable experience to get that either referral business or a repurchase right I think one thing that's also going to add in there is that this is going to be a year of creativity. I think creativity is yeah. going to be coming back into the advertising space and the marketing space in a big way. Looking at a lot of the brands that have succeeded in either achieving virality or becoming like a, a large success story. Like, again, we're going to have to do an entire episode at one point just studying Stanley Cups because I've been just obsessed with how they've done their, their targeting going to tar starting with like kind of like a tactical product for like men's into targeting women in Utah into then growing that into a massive thing of being creative to meet the audience where they are. I think DSP is going to be a huge part of that using CTV, using digital out of home to really meet audiences where they are and catch them to know your audiences, capture that data and then be able to action on it. But like, I think that one thing that we brought up earlier in the pod that I want to kind of harp on a little bit more is that as AI and a lot more of this generative creative comes out there, it is a double-edged sword because everyone is going to have access to it, but it's going to be much easier to stand out. And I think that having the good product and having those fundamentals nailed down is going to be incredibly important. I think another big piece of that as people move in is that like just blasting out ads and, expecting return is not going to work anymore. It's harder to get that return back. It is going to be about testing the creative and finding ways that you may not have thought to get your customer's attention because there's going to be a lot more out there. Yeah, like if I had heard what Pop-Tarts was doing to get people's attention, to try and get people back into Pop-Tarts, <laughs> I would have laughed at you five years ago. Yes. But it worked. Did I? Nevin. I Nevin, know. did I tell Maybe. you about – so I'm a big – I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast. I'm a big West Virginia Mountaineers fan, like college football and basketball. I watched they, – they were in a bowl game this year. It was one of the early ones with the, with the weird sponsors, you know, like these yeah. bowl games all have very weird sponsors. Was it the Pop-Tart one? No, it was oh. Bucks Mayonnaise. Oh, my God. I right? saw the Mayonnaise oh, one. Bucks yes, Mayonnaise. You guys, you guys – I'm telling you, Bucks Mayonnaise got every bit that they wanted out of whatever yes. they paid this bowl to sponsor it. Because, I mean, these announcers would not stop talking about it. Every time they cut to the announcers, it's, yeah, Duke's Mayo. Not Bucks, Duke's Mayo. Sorry, sorry, Duke's. It's Duke's Mayo. Yep. Uh, my wife actually just texted me from the other room that I was wrong <laughs> about that. So thanks, Whitney. <laughs> and uh, but but I mean, every time I mean, I was watching a football game. I wanted to watch football. But every time they, they would cut to the booth for the announcers, they'd have a yeah. big old thing of mayonnaise and yeah, dipping something else they in had it. The mascot the field, running. I remember field, watching a little yeah, bit. The sideline yeah. reporter. It was crazy. I was like, holy crap. But I think I, I think just to. Uh, you know, kind of put a bow on that little conversation there, Nevin. I think standing out is really going to be a huge deal for everyone because the, 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 the marketing 
atmosphere is going to be so saturated. It's so easy to spin up an AI ad, put some targeting on it, throw some money at it. Anybody literally with PMAX can do that. Anybody can do it. And so it, in order to stand out, you're going to have to A, know who you're, know who you're talking to and know who know what they're what's important to them and be and be unique with your with your offerings with your, with how you stand out and it all starts with yeah. a good product like it, we said it's so. go we're going back to the fundamentals hey let's do this let's how about this want to want to put put ourselves on the line a little bit and do some uh 2024 like predictions and then we can next year we can go how were we smart or totally stupid <laughs> about it yeah, let's do it. I I already gave I gave the one about I, I think and I, it's not really it. This is more of a tech market uh, prediction, but with yeah. the SaaS, com- I think SaaS companies are going to run into a lot of a lot of problems with people hiring, you know, a twenty-something person who's really good at AI who can build essentially eighty percent of the product that the SaaS mm. company is selling, and that's all the company really needs, right? And then they they have it, and then they don't have to pay the the, the monthly fee. So I think there's going to be a shift there. That's kind of what we'll, we'll see how it goes if that actually hits this year or not. But that, that's that's kind of my first one. Okay. I think it's it's you, hard man? not to make an AI prediction just because it's been everywhere. I think that um, I think you brought it up earlier, but I think there's going to be a tug on the leash this year with AI. Um, I think that we've hit this it, it, very kind of. I think that legislatively governments are not going to want another crypto on their hands where it opens up like a golden age of, of scams and just grossness. I think that those kind of things like things like the metaverse, things like web three, and I think those are going to die this year. And sorry to all the board ape fans in the audience, if you can see us, but the, I think that AI <laughs> is going to get a sharp tug of the leash. I don't think it's going to stop. I think it is. there's going to be a reckoning where a lot of these smaller startups start to fall off. And I think that the, the big giants in the field, Microsoft, OpenAI, not Twitter, <laughs> but a lot of these big giants in the game are going to... I think it's called oh, X. I'm never going to call yeah, Nevin, Nevin refuses to call it X. He refuses. But these big giants in the game are going to kind of reach that Amazon status, that Google status, where they are the only games in town. I think there's going to be a massive consolidation in that industry, and I think it's probably going to happen around Q3 of of this year, where just things start to roll up into into one big sphere. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that I think there's going to be an interesting thing to see this year for for the, yeah how how the AI impact and i think the big players how you know it seems like they've been a little slow to to kind of ramp up but i think they're going to be charging pretty pretty oh, yeah. fiercely in 2024 let's see for me i i mean i think kind of hit a couple of things but i i think it's going to be a very a reset for a lot of brands and companies to to focus on the customer experience i think that's going to be customer lifetime value looking at your segmentations how you're speaking i think there's a lot of at least the the companies that we get a chance to talk to and prospects like when asked like, and pretty big companies, like they just don't, they haven't had been forced to have a really healthy post post, you know, account retention and relationship with their, with their customers. And so that, I think that's going to be a big shift, way more focus on under, understanding where you're actually spending your money with regards to, yeah, first, first, second and third party data. Uh, so I think that's going to be a big shift, which I'm excited about. I think that'll, make things more. And I think the second thing is just, I think we're going to get back to kind of real, more real experiences. I think video is going to be way more popular for, for brands who have just been traditionally just pushing a lot of content out in, like you said, just ads. 
they're going to, they're going to start to have more fun. <clears throat> I think the creativity is, and how you stand out. I mean, I think the, the mayonnaise example is a great one. And, you know, <laughs> the pop tarts honestly, in the bowl where they actually had the, like a huge, large pop tart and all the teams came out that, to eat that the pop tart. I mean, me. that was terrifying. Who, you know, the team that won. I mean, <laughs> Like a Mayan I sacrifice. Know, I know, and I'm sure it wasn't. But <laughs> but it's those things that leave a memory, right? That leave an experience. Like, hey, now we're talking about Pop-Tarts, right? So yeah, I think getting back to real, focusing on the customer. And I think the last thing for me is going to be data. Like it's simplifying the data. And I think I think brands and are going to be really focused on more of the contribution margin, MER, profitability. And I think the, the vanity metrics of the past are really going to be shot in the head. I think attribution and ROAS are important, but I don't think that people and teams are going to be rewarded on just driving a channel efficiencies without looking at the impact on the profitability of the organization. So, yeah, I'll piggyback on Leo on yours a little bit as far as uh, a very tactical marketing prediction here. I think specifically in our space and the e-commerce space and the D2C space, we're going to see a big shift toward UGC specifically in reviewing specifically in the post-purchase world, right? So what one thing that I think is most brands could implement fairly easily and get a lot of value out of is really promoting and enabling via your mobile site, via your website, and, and then encouraging, incentivizing people to leave video reviews of products. Mm right? Yeah. Because that's easy UGC. You slap a logo on that and put it on reels. Boom. You know, like there you go. And, and also you can have it live uh, evergreen on your site. So people can just kind of scroll through the video reviews of the things I see. The one industry I see do this really, really well is the beauty industry, nail polish, makeup, hair products, this kind of thing. You'll see a lot of UGC, which is reviews. And that's what people trust people, yeah. you know, people helping people leave. That's, that's the, that's the kind of demand side of people helping people they want they want to see real people who have used the product talk about their experience using the product right and i think we're going to see a huge uptick in those kinds of projects and programs no i agree and i think i think we all have what a complete uh i think it's been said for many years mistrust on the traditional marketing when you go to a website and like we know there's a lot of fake um referrals or not referrals but um testimonials reviews that are that are out there and so i think Getting that, I agree, that short little video, the little, hey, this was helpful. I'm a huge fan of Expert Voice. It's a site for, basically, you can go on there and there's tons of products. And if you, you get asked to be invited and you can you can get discounts on on, on uh, products. But one of their, the greatest thing, one of the greatest things they have is you get true experts, professional people who are out there, you know, skiing on skis that you can like read their testimonials and you're like, man. And so that, that kind of contribution of, validated feedback is going to be huge. So no, I agree with you. And I think one of the things I, I was reading this research studies and just with the whole cookies thing and just kind of looking at what's, what's the impact and people are, are, there's, there's so much opportunity for, for businesses out there right now. And I just had this, I printed this out because I thought it was really interesting that 74% of American adults surveyed are willing to share personal information with brands and retailers. And, and it's, but 58%, yeah, how do we miss this? Lee? first party data is going to be a massive, gonna be it's going to be huge this year. How do we miss that? But the opportunity outside of maybe traditional ways that teams are thinking about it, if you're only using third party cookies, there's 50% of your of the population is not in those channels. So you have a huge opportunity as a product brand to go after a new market by thinking differently on how you're going to be reaching 
create the, the creative loyalty programs. Like there's, there's a huge plus side to this change that I think is going to be by the end of the year. I mean, I know people are, are kind of freaking out, but I think by the end of the year, here's my last, my last one, my last, last is right, what's going to happen. Twice. I think by the end of the year, I think we're going to see some really great feedback and validation from brands who have traditionally not ventured past just paid to get out there and actually start, start really seeing a, a growth potential for themselves because they, they, they got kind of got out of their own way. And, and I think yeah. you're right, Nevin too. And Mike, it's like, it's the content content is still King. Like, Make me smile. Make me want to click on what you're doing. Help me. Help me feel that you're a real person who cares about me. I think that's going to be the big shift. But I think one of the best examples I saw of this was recently. I actually just got completely. I'm completely committed with them at this point. It was a skincare brand that's a subscription skincare brand, and you would normally never associate things like skincare and like hygiene stuff with gamers. Just you know, stereotype there. But they sponsored with a lot of gaming youtubers and twitch streamers <laughs> and it was so brilliant because you have people who are watching these guys every day and every single day you tuned in you could see their skin clear up a little bit you could see things change and then at the end of it they did a recap it was like hey this is a uh, geology and they you like you could see the results happening in real time and i was dumbfounded because i was like this is the most genius thing i've ever seen in marketing is letting people see the results for themselves. It was a brilliant combination of influencer marketing, UGC. It was creative. It knew a new audience, immediately ordered and subscribed instantly. Was just. You look great, Nevin. You look great. Yeah, um, no, like, but like really it. it that, yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's another good point, though. I think influence influencing uh, influencer marketing is going to be. I think the people that do it right and and can can blend it into their their marketing plans yeah. is going to be huge like you know i think i think we're yeah I, that's that's probably going to be another thing that we're going to be talking about next year all of these will be their own topic on on an own on its own podcast but we're going to have to leave it there for now we've we've gone over a little bit extra time for for, for you uh weekenders out there shout out if you made it all the way to the end of this one i mean you are an absolute warrior because uh we're about double the time we usually go, but thank you, Lee, for coming on. It's been, it's always awesome. Always when you come on, but yeah. uh, I feel like this was a great one. Yeah. Thanks guys. We're available wherever you get your podcast, visit finch.com slash podcast for more content. Engage with us on Twitter at Finch underscore PPC, Facebook, Finch.ecommerce and LinkedIn. Until next time, I'm Mike Martis. I'm Nevin Zavell. And I'm Lee Roquet. Happy, Happy New Year. New Year All right. Happy New Year. Friday. See you next Friday.